Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today, we have a special guest speaker, Paul Roanhorst. Paul is the state's director for CEF here in South Dakota. And Paul's message today is entitled, Made New to Make It Right. We encourage you to open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and follow along with Paul. This morning, it's just a privilege to be here with you and to share from God's Word again. And it is just another typical birthday for me where it's hot and brownouts occur and different electrical issues come up. So we will continue on and think about God and His Word and how we can impact the world for Him. I want to begin this morning by actually stealing something from Bethesda Church and ask you to join me in saying this together because we have been made new to make it right, to connect the riches of Christ to the realities of life. But the next slide shows the mission statement of Bethesda Church, and I'd like you to read it with me if you would. We exist to respond to God's supremacy by reaching up passionate worship reaching in through obedience, genuine obedience, reaching out with the message of Christ to a lost and hurting world. So as we think about these two slides, that this church has recognized that God is in control. A definition of that word supremacy is the state or condition of being superior to all others in authority power or status. So what we are saying as a church today is that God is above all. And that is part of what you believe in your mission. And then to reach up in passionate worship. Worship is to, I like Webster's version from 1828. That's what I'm reading from Webster's dictionary in 1828. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Worship is a lifestyle. It is a choice we make to live before the Lord each and every moment of our life, that we want to reach up to God by saying, you are worthy. And then we continue on by coming inside of our lives and saying it's genuine obedience that we're seeking to have in our life. And obedience is compliance with an order or request or law or submission to another's authority. So we're not submitting to our selfish desires or wants. We want to surrender in obedience to the Lord. And then we want to take what has changed inside of us and go out and reach out with the message of Christ to a lost and hurting world that we have been given the gospel message. I'm really encouraged by this mission statement of who you as a church are trying to identify. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is what we're trying to accomplish. And sometimes a mission statement can be an exercise in a bunch of people getting together and saying, we need to come up with a bunch of cool words that make sense to us. And then we put it on something and then we kind of forget about it. But this morning, I think it's a good reminder to say, who are we and where are we going? 
But God has also given us a mission in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. And our mission is to lead all people to the cross. From there, true life begins. If you have the sermon notes and you like to take follow and follow through with those notes, most of the fill-ins on the blanks will be on the screen as we go this morning. But if our mission is to lead all people to the cross and new life begins there and true life begins, we have to ask a question is how do we help God in connecting the riches of Jesus Christ into the reality of everyone's life? How do we apply this and make this real? I believe there are three building blocks in this passage to connecting Christ's riches to our reality. And they are a message, being made new, and a mission to make it right. So let's read God's word together. And it will be up on the screen as well. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let us pray. Father, this is your word. You have spoken this to us. Lord, I pray that as I talk through the words of this passage, that you would speak through me to the hearts of each person in this room, that there would be one moment that would touch each person's life, that they would want to take that home today and make a reality of knowing who you are what you have done for us, how you have changed us, and how we can go forward with our life being different. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is the message that we have? The message that we have is, for the love of Christ controlled us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So what is our message? The message is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If 
you want to boil the gospel down as small as we can, which is what we like to do in our culture, right? We love to have a bumper sticker that we can stick on our car and communicate something in three words or less. It's simple that way. So to boil it down, the gospel is Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. And his resurrection is the difference in what we believe. Now the gospel is not that small. It is way more complex as that as well. But we want to take it simple today if we can. And that we no longer live for us. It's not about us. It's not about what we want. It's about God and what he desires. And the interesting thing is that freedom only comes in surrendering, not in control. It's an interesting idea. There are many things that we try to have control in our life. Would you agree with me? As a parent, I want to think that I have control over my children. Sometimes that works, sometimes not so much. Would you agree with me on that? There's a little tension there. Sometimes we want to have control over other people. So I'm a director of the state for Child Evangelism Fellowship, so I should have control over all the employees and missionaries that work for me. Not so much. Uh, I just pray a lot and go, God, please work through them and help us to be unified <laughs> and help me not get in the way of your work. There are many other things that we can look at that we want to have control over. But a lot of times we reverse that, and there are a lot of things that are in control of our lives. Things that we have not let go of, things that we want to grab onto that we gain a sense of power or identity or being right. And these things control us rather than being surrendered to Christ. And we grab a hold of these things and we hang on to them, thinking that whatever that object is is like a lump of coal that we can take into our hand, and if we squeeze long enough, it's going to become a diamond. We don't have enough time to make a diamond. Diamonds take hundreds, if not thousands of years to become a diamond. I haven't met anyone that's lived a thousand years yet that could do that. We need to let go of our control and surrender to the resurrection of Christ. So the question is, how tight is your grip? How tight is your grip? Are you allowing situations from the past control your life? Is your past dictating what you do today? Are some of your relationships causing you to make choices that do not honor God? Are your relationships here on earth controlling you and your actions? Is your stuff controlling you? Now at age 44, I'm beginning to realize that the more stuff that I have, the more it does control my time. Because we live in a world that is decaying, and I have yet to meet a paint job that stays perfect forever, or a vehicle that doesn't need to be repaired, or a tool that the battery doesn't run dead after a while, that those possessions that we have take our time and effort to maintain? And are some of those things that we own holding on to us? Are we carrying around secrets? Things that we think if we would share would 
totally devastate everything around us. Really, those secrets are in control of us. Is there a source of pain in our life that we have not allowed the Lord to come in and say, Lord, you need to take this pain. You need to bring healing because I can't find it in myself. Is there a sin that is capturing you day by day, moment by moment, that's winning over your heart? We like to say in CEF that sin is anything you think, say, or do that does not please God. Are there things getting in the way of that relationship we have with Christ? Are you someone who is a warrior? I really like this one. This comes from Andy Stanley. About a month ago, I watched one of his sermons. He looked out over the crowd and he goes, everyone under age 40, I need you not to listen. You may take a break from what I'm saying. Everyone over 40, you must listen to me very closely. He said, stop scaring the children. You have been scaring your children because the economy is poor, that the political system is a mess, and that those are the two things that are going to save us. He said, you need to stop it. Because God is in control, and you have to be the example to your children that God is in control, and not politics or finances. And you need to stop it. Maybe we need to think about that, that we are the example as adults to the young ones of what faith should be in a God that is supreme. How about perfectionism? If it isn't exactly perfect, I can't do it. Or I have to put so much time into it that it has to be perfect. There's a difference between perfection and excellence. Excellence is doing the best you can with the time that you've been given to the glory of God. Perfectionism is saying, I'm in control and I'm going to do better because that's why I have to be. And I hold on to control. So excellence is what we're looking for, not perfection. How about our children? Have we prayed the prayer of saying, God, these children are yours? That was one of the hard moments in my life where when Stephen was still in the crib and even Luke and John later on, I prayed Hannah's prayer for Samuel and saying, God, this child is yours. Use him as you would. Help me to be a good parent. But ultimately, this child is yours and you work through him. And also, what are we afraid of? What are the things that our thoughts are taken captive by that make us afraid? These are things that we can hold on to and we can grab onto and they can control us. So how tight is your grip? Because we have a savior who rose from the dead. Do not forget the power of the resurrection in your life. Sometimes we want to have many miraculous things happen around us so we can say, God did this, and we can visibly see it. The resurrection is far more powerful than any of those, in my opinion.
So take time to let it go. Then in verses 16 and 17, it shows how we are made new. So as we read in verses 16 and 17, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. Don Miller is a writer from Portland. He was teaching a class in Canada. His students were all freshman college students who had grown up in the church. The class was called The Gospel and Culture. He started the class with an experiment. He told the class that he was going to share the gospel of Jesus, but was going to leave something out. He wanted them to figure out what was missing from what he was going to say. So he told them about sin, about how we are all fallen creatures. He told some stories and used some illustrations. He talked about repentance and again told some stories. He talked about God's forgiveness. And then he talked about heaven. He went on like this. Listen to what happened. A quote from Don. When I finally stopped and asked them to tell me what I had left out, after 20 minutes of discussion, not one student realized that I left out Jesus. Not one. And I believe I could repeat that same experiment in Christian classrooms across North America. The same thing is possible today. We can share our testimonies, which is good. We can talk about sin and forgiveness and heaven and hell. But until we talk about Jesus, we haven't talked about the heart of the gospel. And the heart of the gospel is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's from a blog by Daryl Dash. Don't forget about Jesus. So as we are made new, we are made new by who? Jesus Christ. So what happens at that moment? A whole lot of big words if you go to seminary or Bible college. That you are sealed, you're indwelt, you're forgiven, you're transferred from darkness to light, you're set apart, you're being sanctified, you're redeemed, you're freed, you're released, your chains are gone, etc., etc., etc. But a better question today is do you remember your moment? When was the moment that you became new? When was the moment that you surrendered your life to Christ? Some testimonies are what I call whiz-bang testimonies. They hear about the amazing change that God had done in a moment. And others are a progression of growth over time to where we've realized Jesus is more and more and more of our life. My story kind of falls in that whiz-bang category. And I don't know if I've shared a little bit here before or not. But on June 21st of 1994, at Woodstock Treatment Center in New Life, New Life Treatment Center, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I sat across from a pastor. 
And I really didn't know why I was meeting with him because I grew up in the church, but I never had a personal relationship with Christ. I sat across from this man, and previous to this, I had been involved in alcohol, drugs, sin. I had chosen to try every which way to fill this void in my life, this hole in my heart, with anything other than Christ. And nothing worked. As I sat across from him, I shared everything in every way that I had hurt others, myself, and God. And as I confessed one by one the different things that I had done, the burden of guilt and shame became freedom. My chains were gone. I'd been set free. Amazing grace came in. And my life was changed in an instant. Because at that moment, Christ came in and changed my life. And I was made new. What was your moment? Think about that for a moment. When were you made new? Do you remember a time when it changed? When it, be, when it made sense? Because before I walked into that room, I was very ashamed, very filled with guilt, and I would walk kind of like this. Whenever I talked to people, I couldn't look them in the eye. I just, yeah, I'm here. Yep, I'm here. That's okay. But that moment when Jesus Christ came in, I could look up. I could look people in the eye. And the smile that I had on my face, I couldn't get rid of. Because I had never known the love of God so tremendously until that moment. I will always hold on to that day. Good news is in nine days from today, half of my life I have followed Jesus Christ. Praise God. My children and my wife had never had to see me before that time. My niece was born while I was in treatment. And the first outing I was allowed to go on was to her baptism at the church where they attended. And I held her in my arms, and I said, I never want you to see me the way I, I used to be. And that's what being made new means to myself. But every one of us has a story. And everyone knows that moment when we were made new. Because we were made new inside out. So from the inside out, God changes us. This is where God's work begins, and our surrender is what helps that. Because from the inside out, we are made new. We have been changed. We've been cleansed. Romans 12, 2 fits in this passage. And we've also become a new person. We've become God's child. John 1, 12. If you have your Bibles, turn there real quick. John 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We are now citizens of heaven. We have a place being built for us by Jesus himself in heaven. And we are his children. 
And he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will help us through everything that we have in our life. And then we also have a new attitude in life. We have the fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians 2, or pardon me, Galatians 5.22. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We're given those. These are things that come from God, that He changes our attitude. He gives us His fruit. I, I always find it unique in that passage that it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits. We have them all. We've been given them by God. So go and be fruity. Right? And we also have a new heart. We as Christians understand mercy and grace. Others do not. Because God's mercy is, is everything of who he is. If you want to see how we fumble in the English language, the word mercy is the one where we fumble the most. Or loving kindness. This word is the totality of all who God is. Every attribute, every character trait, hesed in Hebrew, mercy. This is who God is. Everything wrapped up into one word. Not a good word. Can't do it. Not enough to explain all of God. And his grace. You know, I think I love grace the most. Because if we have to earn our way to heaven, that means we have to work. But grace says God is coming to us. And grace stoops down and picks us up. And says, hey, I'm going to take you out of the mud and the miry clay. I'm going to set your feet upon a rock. And you're going to have a new hymn and a new song to sing before the Lord. So when we've been regenerated, when we've been made new, a whole lot of things change. And we have to figure out what that means and what it looks like. And after we've been made new, then our mission is to make it right. The message of reconciliation in verses 18 to 21. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If I may go back briefly, if you look at verse 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. That word behold is like, wow! This is huge! This is like a lightning storm in the middle of a rain where the lightning strikes in front of you. All the hair is standing on the end of your body. You're like, ah! That's the behold. This new moment has arrived. Watch out. Great things are going to change. So we are a new creation. We had a dog named Max. 
He was very scared of lightning. The reason why is one day he was laying underneath the combine with my uncle laying on him, using him as a pillow as he was greasing the grease works under his John Deere combine. All of a sudden, a quick thunderstorm popped up. Welcome to the Midwest. If you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes. It will change. Pow! Lightning struck on the ground about five feet from that combine. And Max became a ball of fur. And ever since then, he's like, I don't like storms. And my sister and I pleaded with our father, who had a little weaker heart toward us and our requests, and we were allowed to have Max in the house. Max came in one night when it was raining outside because we knew he was scared and we had to protect our dog, right? Uh, we forgot that after the storm we should let him out. So at 3 a.m. in the morning, Max is on the main floor. My sister and I sleep upstairs. We're, parents were downstairs in the bedroom. Max gets up and he kind of walks around and he, does, he knows he's not allowed on the carpet. His life would end if my mother found that out. So, but he, he had to go out. And so he came into my parents' bedroom. And all of a sudden, my dad feels something wet on his leg. And he looks over and sees two green eyes. My mother described it that my father climbed over top of her and jumped up and hung from the ceiling at that moment. That was his behold, the new has come moment. And he finally calmed down and realized it was Max. He's like, Max, get out of here! <laughs> and he let him outside. So that is the change that has been brought to our life. And then we've been given this mission to reconcile others to Christ and to share. You know the neat part about this? When I first became a Christian in treatment, I'm like, I'm going to go save the world. Yeah. I realized shortly after that, mm, I'm not doing a whole lot of saving. God is the one that does that work. So I had to give up that responsibility, which was a joy because then there was freedom. So in reconciling others, it's not my job, which is great. But God is the one that is going to reconcile us. He is the one that makes it right. God is in control. We respond to God's supremacy by reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. This is God's mission that we are on. He will give us the strength. He will give us the guidance. He will give us the authority to go out and share this message. And the forgiveness that we offer is not our earthly forgiveness for things that have been wronged, but it's God's forgiveness that he chooses not to see our sin, sets it aside so that we can have a right relationship with him. Because forgiveness between humans, I think, is very different than forgiveness from God to us. You can talk of confession, which is agreeing with God that he is right. You can talk of repentance, of making a change in our life and turning. But God's forgiveness doesn't have those conditions. He just forgives because it's who he is. And it's God's message that Jesus died and rose again to pay the punishment for my sin and for each one of you. And that if we believe in him, 
we can go out and share this message. And check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.